0: news network a political party is willing to crash an entire country just to get rid of one man what are they so afraid of and how come nobody's asking that question well one man is in the relentless pursuit of the truth you've reached tnn the truth news network and here's the man asking the tough questions dan newman
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday at TNN. Christmas month, oh my gosh. Can you believe we're already just weeks away from celebrating Christmas? I can't wait for Christmas every year. I really love Christmas. And it's not about getting. It's about giving and sharing and spending time with those we love. Can't do better than that. Nothing better than that. I hope you're having a good week, a good month. And listen, let me just let me just give you some input, just a suggestion or two as we get ready for this holiday season. Don't make your Christmas season about you. Yeah, I know. We all have bad circumstances in our in our rearview mirrors. Things can be going wrong. But you know what? If we concentrate on all the bad stuff, we lose a lot of the good stuff that we should have started there, concentrating on the good stuff, count your blessings. Sometimes, literally, I'll sit down and just write, draw a line down the middle of a page, and on the left side, I write the things that are good, things that are really, really good, and then on the other side of the page, I'll start writing down the things that are bad, and before I ever finish every time, there's more on the good things side, than there are on the bad things side. You're going to be in whatever frame of mind you accept. You accept and say, it's okay. Come on in. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to delve on this. Really think it through. And if that's something that's bad, it's not a good way to start any day. Not a good way to end any day. You're blessed. You're all blessed. We are blessed We are all blessed, and that's good enough.
2: Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on. Of sight, have yourself a merry little Christmas, make the you gay. Now
1: This guy is one of the best of all time, Luther Vandross, at singing that kind of music. Just quick little side. Our oldest daughter got married, and we have some close friends. We're coming and always have been part of really good musical people, friends, relatives. And so I asked this guy, one of my good friends who's got a great voice, if he would sing a song, a Luther Vandross song, at our oldest daughter's wedding. I'm not going to play it, but I want you to remember this. Write it down. You need to hear Luther Vandross sing the song here and now. And I'll give you a little advice, guys. When you play it, make sure your darling sweetheart is close by because you can make some tremendous brownie points by letting her understand, hey, I like this song because it is written from you guys to your wonderful wives or girlfriends and vice versa. Ladies, you will enjoy it beyond imagination. Here and now, Luther Vandross. Does that have anything to do with the show today? Well, yes, it does. And you know why it does? Because it's Christmas and it's my show, I like good music, I like Luther Vandross, and I want to concentrate and focus my attention on far more than just the crud that's going on in our lives. If we stick on that, we're really going to be stuck because it ain't good. And honestly, if you think it through, the good things in your life, they're happening to you right now in almost every circumstance, don't get caught up in looking at Washington, D.C. and Israel and uh, anywhere over in the Middle East or Southeast Asia. They're doing their things. They're dealing with their issues. And regardless of what leaders in Washington, D.C. tell you and me, we're not responsible for all of that. We're not the ones that need to go clean up after every bad leader in a, whole wide world that makes some bad choices and usually it's not just one leader it's a bunch of them and they put themselves in bad spots it's not our job to go clean up everybody's mess we can't even clean our own up who do we think we are now that'll preach yeah we're getting close to the weekend some somebody listening in pastors and it will be in front of a congregation make your people feel good about themselves And that yes, we can and we have and we are and we will do a lot of good things for people that are in worse shape than us around the world. But remember this, we are only held responsible by the only one that matters and that would be God above. We're only held responsible by him for the things that we have the resources to deal with. Don't fret and worry and get caught up in the oh when it's about stuff that you don't have any responsibility for. Now, I'm not advising you to make excuses to get out of stuff. I'm just saying if you don't have resources necessary and you can't find them reasonably without robbing a bank, don't feel responsible to do it. Pray for those that are in trouble and pray that God will send the right people, the right organization, the right leaders to fix those other nations and those other people's problems and just pray for those people and leave it right there. We're held responsible by God for the use, the stewardly use of the resources he put in ours and in our purview. If you don't have the resources, how can you do it? If you don't have the knowledge, the understanding, if you don't have the open doors, How can you be held accountable for things like that? There are a lot of people that are psychologically and emotionally in really bad shape around the world because they've been taught that they need to be doing things that they don't have the ability to do. And there's a lot of people, good people, talented people, wealthy people, well thought of people that are stuck in that groove and they hate themselves because they think they're failing. Dr. Dan? No, I'm not Dr. Dan. I'm just saying I'm 70 years old, probably older than most of you listening. I know we have a bunch of people out there that I look up to for their knowledge that they've obtained that I don't have. I know some 80 years old, some 85-year-old Americans that are far sharper than me. And I'm at 70, and I I think I'm just now taking my... uh, getting my second wind on life. Yeah, I really feel that way. I'm not anywhere close to quitting, and you don't need to look at it that way either. You're not anywhere close to giving up or quitting. you got a lot of time left, all the time left to do what you know you need to do. Wow, I didn't expect that. That came right out of my heart this morning. I hope I didn't offend anybody, and if I did, deal with it. again it's my show I can express my feelings you can counter those anytime you can drop me a text or an email dan at truthnewsnet.org dan at truthnewsnet.org or what you can do is call in we don't have any screeners now that may be a bit spooky for you it's kind of a bit spooky for me if you call in I'm the one that answers the phone, and it's live, folks. It's live. I don't have a kill button. (laughs) That's the one when somebody says a curse word in uh, network talk shows, radio and television. uh, The engineer can push a dump button, and that signal, it's not completely live that you hear. It's a few seconds delay just in case they have to hit the dump button and they can cover up what expletive was given there? So how do you reach us? 1-866-37-TRUTH. It's a free phone call. one 866 378 Anytime. You won't offend me. I'm too old to be offended. Well, let's start at the top of life. Dollars and cents. Money makes the world go around, right? How do you get money? You go to work. U.S. employment numbers out this morning. Employers in the U.S. added almost 200,000 workers to their payrolls in November, 199,000 even. That was in one month, November. Unemployment rate actually fell a little bit from 3.9% down to 3.7%. Now, how does that stand in the shadow of what they were expecting out of D.C.? Economists thought, we were going to add 185,000 after payrolls were reported as increasing by 150,000 last month. That number, that number, here we go, was unrevised in this month's report, which means if they're being honest with you and don't think automatically that they are, that means that we have more people getting hired. Hey, 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 could be a good thing. In September, way back, you know, two months ago, Employers grew their payrolls by a downwardly revised 262,000. In August, payrolls rose by 227,000. The unemployment rate was expected to hold steady at 3.9 and it actually fell. So there's a little positive, not big positive numbers there, but some okay numbers there. Looks like maybe we may be on the downside of getting this stuff taken care of. Let's hope we are. So let me tell you something. Getting ready for the show last night and this morning, early this morning, I puzzled through how to handle all of this latest craziness regarding Hunter Biden and what's happened yesterday and based on what we have found out and shared with you every time we hear something through the last few years about Hunter Biden. How deep do I want to dive into it? And I really struggle with it because we could spend the whole two hours, you and me, you calling in, me talking about information and details that we have learned here. But I don't think it would benefit any of us to spend a lot of time on it because all of this stuff, and here we go back to the top, what I told you about, what can you and I do specifically about all the actions and reactions regarding anything that the president's son or anybody else, for that matter, does. We can't. We can talk about it. But what we need to concentrate on doing and make this be the only method we use to handle all of this stuff is it's going to ramp up the closer to the election next November. It's going to get worse. And we'll become numb to it. And that's dangerous because we need to concentrate on facts. And as I probably don't need to tell you, you don't get a lot of facts out of big media. In fact, many others will say you don't get any facts out of any of those other people. I don't know about them, but I can say we shoot straight. So, We're going to stay at the top level of information. And if you want any deeper stuff, we've got sources we can point you to. Just say, hey, could you give me some details about that? For instance, Hunter Biden was indicted. Nine federal charges yesterday came out of California. Now, I have, I'm sitting looking at the complete indictment. You want a copy of it and you can't find it? Shoot me an email. I'll attach it and return it to an email. I've actually got the indictment that you can read. It's not that hard, folks. We can make it easier. We can make it hard. And I don't want to make it hard. So if you want to know the deep dive stuff, drop me a a line at dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. And if we get a break during the show today, I'll actually send it to you then. Or if not, I'll do it right after the show is over today. But Hunter is in deeper doo-doo than many people thought he was going to be. We thought when that debacle happened up in Delaware, remember when there was going to be a sweetheart deal that was going to let Hunter off for his tax fraud in his rearview mirror, and they had also cut a deal that he was going to be exempt from any other stuff that came up later. Thank God that judge in Delaware smelled the rat, and she said, wait a minute, we're not going to do this. So they went back to ground zero. And Hunter was living in California when all this stuff happened, the stuff on the big tax problem that he has. And he still has a big tax problem. And so that judge said, you go back to the drawing board, and then the federal prosecutor, the real federal prosecutor in the state of Delaware got in the middle of it and he dropped a bomb yesterday on Hunter Biden. A litany of tax charges. The indictment that Hunter was handed yesterday, it includes nearly 200000 of income tax for the year 2019. This special counsel federal prosecutor is David Weiss from Delaware. He's been using a federal grand jury out in Los Angeles to gather evidence of possible criminal tax charges against Hunter. And the reason it's in California, again, is because that's where Hunter was living at the time. Hunter pleaded not guilty back in October to those federal gun charges in U.S. District Court in Delaware after being charged out of Weiss, the prosecutor's year-long investigation. So we've reached out to people that we know to try to get a little more insight, and if and when we do, We'll pass it along to you. I suggest you look at, if you don't every Saturday morning, look at our bullet points, Saturday bullet points. I can promise you now there are going to be some videos and also some stories with deeper details. If you don't, check in at truthnewsnet.org every Saturday morning. You're missing an opportunity to learn some stuff without having to spend all your day digging to get information We give you the biggest stories of the week, many of which you haven't had time to find out all the details, and in the bullet point offering at the beginning of each of these small stories, there'll be a two or three sentence explanation of what's in it, followed by a bullet point at the end of the story. If you want to get more info, you just click on that bullet point and it'll transfer you immediately to a full story. And if you know everything about it or you don't want any more information, you can just move on down and go to the next one. It's a good way to get information over the weekend. Earlier this week, House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer released subpoenaed bank records. More of those uh, bank records showing an entity owned by Hunter Biden had made, quote, direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. So Comer attributed yesterday's indictment to the efforts of two brave IRS whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. The DOJ got caught in its attempt to give Hunter Biden an unprecedented sweetheart plea deal, Representative Comer said yesterday, after every American should applaud these men for their courage to expose the truth. Now, what is that about? If you don't know this, I want you to listen very, very intently. Those two guys, longtime professional IRS people, they worked at the highest levels in the IRS and their operations came under the FBI. They were the deep, deep dive investigators on all this Hunter Biden stuff. So they knew what they were talking about. Before they came forward publicly, you have to register as a federal whistleblower there's a program for doing that for every federal employee if you're working and you see some illegal activity happening in some area of our government's operation and you think it needs to be reported and investigated but you're afraid that if you do it whoever you go to in management is going to bust you some way or take uh, efforts to diminish you and sometimes get you fired if and when they register as a whistleblower, they have protection that they will not be attacked by anybody and the information they bring forward will just be used and sometimes they don't even have to be identified. But in this case and these circumstances, since they came forward and testified intently and exhaustively before Congress, their lives have been turned upside down. I mean, they can't go anywhere. They can't go back and work where they work because it's all public. And they're going to pay both of them for the rest of their lives. And they didn't do anything wrong. But let me tell you the big thing that they did that should open our eyes about all of this and all of the things that you have suspected were going on. Our government at the highest levels, I'm talking about the White House, the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, the FBI, CIA, the people at the top of all of those entities I just named to you are corrupt. They are up to their eyeballs in corruption. Wow, Christopher Ray. FBI director, he's been one that's had a bullseye on his back ever since any and all of this stuff has come up. And he testifies before Congress monthly. But he found a way that he can deflect any attention and he doesn't have to get involved giving testimony about all of these very contentious items that have been going on and being made public over and over and over again over the last few years. And here's his cop-out. Here's his plea. When a member of Congress on these committees, when they ask him a specific question that puts him in a corner, he always says this. It's FBI policy. We cannot comment on any details of an ongoing investigation. How can he get away with that? It's very simple. What's the FBI do? They investigate. They're always in investigative mode. So, he doesn't have to. Now, wait a minute. What do you mean he doesn't have to? I thought the House of Representatives had oversight to make sure that everybody in our government that's on the payroll, whether a bureaucrat, appointee, or an elected person, they do the right things. And how are you going to find out if they're doing the right things if you don't get answers to questions that you ask about what they're doing. There's no legislative action in place or any pending in the way of passing a law that says in classified closed hearings, they must answer the questions, the topics of that committee hearing. But that hadn't happened yet. And so How do we get around that? What you're seeing play out now is exactly how and the only how to get around all this stuff. You've got to exhaustively. These three committees that have been investigating the Biden family syndicate, it is incredible the depths that they've had to go to to get information. When that's their job and the people that are refusing to cooperate with them They're just part of the group that put the plan together and implemented it years ago to do anything you want as a government employee. And it'll be hidden by your fellow government employees. And there are all kinds of ways to do it. And if there are not ways out there, they make up new ways. And the fallback, it always gets to that point, what Chris Ray does in every hearing. I cannot comment on an ongoing investigation. Unless U.S. Attorney Weiss investigates everybody into Biden's fraud schemes and influence peddling, it'll be clear President Biden's DOJ is protecting Hunter Biden and the big guy, our president. The White House is over and over again, they say that President Biden did nothing wrong, had no knowledge of his son's business dealings. Those are lies, and they lie with impunity from the White House press briefings every day. Private interviews, public interviews, they say the same things. They will not admit that anything wrong has happened. But now, because of these two whistleblowers and the sticking to the issues of these three investigative committees, we're getting evidence. And every American, everybody listening to the show right now, you already know Joe Biden's lying about that again and again and again. Not only has he been busted, we have telephone calls, hundreds of emails. Joe Biden used a fake email, a private email address, and he sent and communicated hundreds of emails, exchanges with Hunter Biden's business partners. (laughs) He They have pictures of him. I've seen him. I I saw pictures three years ago of him on a golf course, playing with some of these people, playing golf, restaurants. You see him doing these business deals. The famous trip to Ukraine is the one that I think is really now going to shake the world because it is proven to be, based on the timing, we now know exactly when, And how the conversation came up for Joe Biden to go to Ukraine and tell the former president of Ukraine that if he doesn't stop the supreme investigator of the Ukrainian government who investigated criminality among the government and big businesses in the country, Viktor Shokin, Joe Biden told that president, hey... You know, we talked on the phone five days ago about you getting a billion-dollar loan guarantee from the United States people. We talked about it on the phone. I told you then, if you don't fire Victor Shokin because he's corrupt, you're not going to get this loan guarantee. And Joe bragged about it after the fact that he told him, hey, you're not going to get that loan guarantee. And the former Ukrainian president said, you're not the president. And Joe Bragdon said, I told him to call Barack. And everybody laughed. And then he told them, we're leaving Ukraine, going back to the U.S. in about eight hours. If Shokin's not fired before we leave, you're not getting the loan guarantee. According to United States Constitution, the article that covers impeachment, anybody in elected office in the federal government can be impeached. And the grounds for impeaching someone is for bribery, high crimes, misdemeanors. Bribery, by definition, doesn't mean somebody got some money directly for what the bribe was centered in and for. But the attempt to bribe somebody is bribery. Bribery itself is an impeachable offense. And that's before we even think about Hunter Biden and all the stuff he's dealing with. House Republicans, meanwhile, have warned the younger Biden that they would move to hold him in contempt of Congress if he doesn't show up for that closed-door deposition on the 13th next week. Hunter has insisted he would only testify to the House if it's in public, because information from closed-door testimonies is selectively leaked and used to manipulate, even history, the facts and misinformation and misinform the American public. And, of course, he's saying, even in a classified session in Congress, whatever is going on inside can be leaked out, and if the public didn't get to see it and hear it, they wouldn't know if what they're getting leaked out is true or not. Well, they don't want to tell Hunter folks don't want to tell you that these committees, the chairs of these three committees, they said, look, we demand it be behind closed doors. We don't want to put Hunter Biden in a bad spot. And also we don't want you Hunter's lawyers going out and misrepresented what happened. So here's what we'll do. We're going to do it in a classified session. Nobody's going to know about it but the people that are inside that room. But it will be recorded. The transcript, after it's all over, will be made public. Now, of course, these lawyers didn't respond with any reference about what they were promised they were going to get. It's all political. All political. So where do we go? I'm not, as I told you, I'm not going to spend a long time today, just concentrating on this because we're nowhere even close to the end of it. This is going to be going on probably up to the election next November. And so we're not, I mean, Americans will go crazy if media every day comes back to this. So, as you know, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and later in the show, I've got some information that I want to bring to you. Several of you have already heard about it, but it's not favorable to our friend, House Speaker Mike Johnson. That's unnerving to me, and I reached out to him when I heard about this yesterday and told him I needed to talk with him about that before we went live on the show with it, and I haven't heard back from him, but I found out the stuff is accurate that I heard. I'm going to save that till the end of the show, but he announced that there will likely be a formal impeachment inquiry announced next week. And we've got the verbiage that's going to be in it already. So it's just waiting for a couple of days and maybe another piece of information, evidence or two. But it's fixing to get really, really tough. So as we always do, we don't always like to look at To the conservative side of all the issues, the big nastiness. We like to go across the aisle sometimes and listen to, even though it nauseates me every time I do, what mainstream media is saying. So let's do just that. MSNBC this morning,
3: they talked about the impeachment of Joe Biden. Welcome back to Way Too Early. House Republicans appear to be one step closer to formally launching an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. GOP House members yesterday released the text of a resolution that would authorize their probe being driven by three Republican-led House committees. This would help the committees enforce subpoenas and allow the panel's chairs to designate open hearings in their investigation into the Biden family. Several House leaders have said the chamber is expected to vote on the resolution as early as next week. And new House Speaker Mike Johnson has said he believes Republicans have the votes to approve the resolution. The Biden administration, of course, has repeatedly deemed House Republicans' impeachment inquiry efforts as downright illegitimate. In a statement yesterday, a White House spokesperson called the resolution a, quote, baseless stunt that's not rooted in facts or reality, but in extreme House Republicans' shameless desire to abuse their power to smear President Biden. Joining us now to talk about it, special correspondent at Vanity Fair and host of the Fast Politics podcast, our friend Molly Jong-Fast. Molly, great to see you. Um, in some ways, not a surprise. This would go down this route. Uh, Speaker Johnson's been telegraphing it for a week or two. But give us, uh, give us your reaction. Um, what do you think this means for House Republicans?
4: Well, I think that they're going to try. And I think Johnson feels that he has to. And remember, there. are Who wants this impeachment? Really? Who really wants this? Donald Trump, right? He wants to not be the only impeached president. And so and you see that he says that publicly. He says that privately. There's you know, he's very involved in that. So I do think that Speaker Johnson is it has sort of has a problem, right? He has to placate Trump. And and he serves at the pleasure of Donald Trump. And he has that job, right? Because he worked on that t- a tort to try to overturn the 2020 election. So I do think that this is ultimately about Trump. So they're going to have to, even if they don't have the votes, they're going to have to go through with it, right? Because that's what Trump wants.
3: Johnson, one of the original authors of right. The Big Lie. So you write about all this in your latest Vanity Fair piece, which is titled High Vibes and Misdemeanors, the GOP's Biden impeachment stunt picks up steam. Um, so, you just got into, uh, very well said, the motivations behind it. But what's the end game here? How could it potentially backfire against these Republicans?
4: Well, that's the thing. We're in the United States of amnesia, right? Nobody remembers what happened with Bill Clinton. And Americans hated that. They did not like it. And ultimately what happened was Republicans way underperformed in that election because they had done this. They had set things up. So I do think it's going to be a real problem for Republicans. But again, we don't know. You know, the, the electorate's very different than it was in 2004. But I think that there definitely is. Remember, Nancy Pelosi was so hesitant to impeach Trump when there were real reasons to do it because she had seen Republicans just get creamed in that next election.
3: They tend to backfire. And lastly and briefly, let's be clear. There's a such a distinction between the accusations levied against Donald Trump yeah. and the accusations against anyone with the last name Biden. But yeah. We did talk earlier in the show about these new charges against Hunter Biden. Do right. you see that playing any role at all, even just as a false equivalency in the next election?
4: Well, I think the goal here is false equivalency, right? The goal is to muddy the waters, to do this thing that Steve Bannon talks about to flood the zone. Again, you know, I think that people are so baked in. I think it would be hard to convince a swing voter that Biden world has anywhere near the level of corruption that Donald Trump does. Remember, Donald Trump has 91 criminal indictments, criminal counts, and he is like in and out of court for the next year. So I think they would have to work really hard to muddy the waters. But again, you know, this is such a partisan environment. Who knows?
3: Let's be clear. Hunter Biden
1: not running for office. Right. 91 indictment charges against Donald Trump. I mean, she plainly stated at the end of that, think about it, he's going to be in court until next year. My gosh, he'll not be able to do anything with that. How many of those 91 counts have been adjudicated against Donald Trump yet? None of this has anything to do with presidential wrongdoing. None of it. They're talking about he was responsible for an insurrection. Uh, How many charges against him for insurrection? First of all, insurrection is not a felony criminal act. It's not. And he hasn't even been charged it. But they're already saying he's guilty. He's guilty. Anyway, I don't even want to go down that road. She just, the, the reason I wanted you to hear her, When I heard her, I got nauseated, listening to the drivel and knowing, understanding that there are a bunch of people out there that listen to what she said, and they believe it. Oh, it wasn't anything. You know, I mean, gosh. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, they haven't done anything. Joe Biden is president. He hasn't done anything. And they they went back to 2004 when the attempted attempt Impeachment attempt to get Bill Clinton out of office. Look what happened. America split. It went crazy. The population is nothing like it was back then, so things are different. Now, Donald Trump, he may have done a lot of things in his life, but everything that he's charged for in this, look at the numbers Look at the numbers. Look at how the American people feel about these two, about Donald Trump and about Joe Biden. A huge portion of Americans are confident Joe Biden broke the law and that he's corrupt in his actions. 60% of Democrats feel that way. What is the reason for the support among Republicans for Donald Trump for president. What's the reason with every one of these levied charges as they've come out every time, the next day, Donald Trump's favorability numbers go up. Americans aren't stupid. The left have never learned, and I don't think, even after the outcome of this entire debacle, I mean, it's just, it's worse than anything I've ever heard come out of any government. There are so many moving parts, so many people involved in it, so much finger-pointing, so much lying, misrepresentation. None of it has stuck to Donald Trump. All of it is now sticking to Joe Biden. Now, again, we'd kind of done a segue away from Hunter Biden. We didn't get into the details on Hunter. I'm about to do that for you now. It won't be but a couple of minutes' worth. But remember this. Bill Clinton, he was popped because he slept with a White House volunteer, Monica Lewinsky, and then lied about it. Joe Biden... I don't know if he slept with anybody or not, but that's not part of what's going on now. Pure corruption. Pure corruption. Bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors. Those are allegations. It's a little bit different than what Bill Clinton went through. So let's go back to Hunter. I want you to know what Hunter was doing during this whole process when this was playing out. And part of the indictments, the big part of it, is his tax evasion, tax fraud. He didn't pay his taxes. So what was he doing? He had millions of dollars. We know that. We've got the bank records that show it. Hunter Biden spent a staggering $872,000 on prostitutes, on porn, and sex club memberships. And listen to this. He took $1.6 million from ATMs. $1.6 million. This guy was not a good guy. He spent a staggering $870,000 on these prostitutes, sex club memberships, federal prosecutors' claim, Hunter spent almost $5 million on a lavish lifestyle between 2016 and 2019 while he was failing to pay $1.4 million in taxes in a case that leaves him facing now a possible 17 years in prison. The indictment set to be a disaster for his father's 2024 run for the presidency The indictment alleges he spent money on drugs, escorts, girlfriends, luxury hotels, rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of a personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes. The breakdown, that includes 683,000 on, and this is a quote, various women, as well as almost 400,000 on clothing, It also alleges he spent $188,000 on adult entertainment and that $1.6 million from ATMs. During that time, he's admitted, he's on video, in uh, press interviews. He admitted he was in the middle of a well-documented addiction to alcohol and crack cocaine. He admitted he had a slew of substance abuse problems, completed multiple stints and rehab. He's now facing two criminal charges in the middle of his father's campaign. In Delaware, he's facing a maximum of 25 years in jail for lying about being a drug user when he bought a gun. Let me just give you a little bit the rundown of the money he spent. In 2016, $200,000 ATM cash withdraw- withdrawal. 2017, dollars Cash, ATM, 2018, 772000 2019, 772000 again, $1.66 million of cash out of an ATM machine. Payments to various women, 2016, $4,400. 2017, $138,000. 2018, $383,000. 2019, $156,000 clothing and accessories a total of 397000 tuition education tuition education 309000 health beauty and pharmacy quarter of a million miscellaneous retail purchases quarter of a million food groceries and restaurants 200000 insurance 200000 loan mortgage payments 191000 adult entertainment 188000 accounting fees 147000 telephone utilities 118000 rehab 7600 2800 28000 excuse me and 35000 credit card payments 58000 home improvement and maintenance 42000 where did all this money come from Well, we can't get into that and talk about it without bringing dad in. And we've already talked about a little of that. Like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But the president has been caught lying over and over and over again. And some of the latest that has been verified is that Joe Biden exchanged dozens of emails with Hunter Biden's business associates. There is proof. He used an alias. President Biden exchanged dozens of emails with one of his son's business partners. That's according to newly disclosed information that bolsters the Republican claims that their investigation of the president's involvement in Hunter's businesses is warranted. Before Biden became president, he emailed Eric Sherwin while using an alias. That this document shows. 54 emails were exchanged between the two from January 6, 2014 to February 2nd, 2, 2015. An email log has been released by the House Representative Ways and Means Committee with all of the data included. By the way, President Biden was vice president from 09 to 2017. This was all happening while he was VP. Just five of the emails were exchanged before Biden went to Ukraine in June of 2014. Most of them came after the trip. Hmm, wonder why. Biden infamously during that trip pressured Ukraine to fire that top prosecutor. We talked about that, Victor Shogun. Firing, get rid of him. And they did, just because Hunter was employed by Burisma Holdings, which that's the company that the prosecutor was investigating for corruption. For that year and part of the next year, Barisma Holdings paid Hunter Biden $1 million each year just to sit on their board of directors. Ah, yeah, there's nothing fishy there. Biden used various emails including robinware456 to communicate outside of official channels, which is illegal for a federal employee to do. President Biden and Sherwin were copied on another several hundred emails. 38 of them included from White House email accounts. Uh Uh-oh. Evidence from today's documents show right around the time of international trips like those to Ukraine, Joe Biden was emailing Hunter and Hunter's business partner from private email accounts using aliases while vice president. That's Representative Jason Smith, who's chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. Sherwin help both President and Hunter Biden with their financial issues. One message showed Sherwin discussing President Biden's mortgage in a phone call with Hunter Biden, who described him in another message as a close confidant and counsel. Sherwin managed almost every aspect of our financial lives. That's Kathleen Beulah. Biden's ex wife, Hunter's ex wife, wrote in her memoir. Previously disclosed, records showed that Sherwin visited the White House or the Naval Observatory, that's where the vice president lives, dozens of times while Biden was vice president. Emails were part of a fresh tranche of materials released by the Ways and Means Committee after receiving them from those whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler with the IRS. The emails are the kind of lead pointing to Joe Biden's involvement that investigators would be allowed to pursue in a truly independent probe. That's Jason Foster, founder of Empower Oversight, who helps represent the whistleblowers. Mr. Smith said before the panel voted to release the records that the alias emails raised questions of whether Joe was trying to hide the existence and the content of these messages. Otherwise, why the heck would he be doing it? And Smith added, if investigators had not been stonewalled, the IRS investigation into Hunter's tax fraud and his business dealings would have naturally laid bare Joe Biden's direct involvement. Several nonprofits are seeking the emails themselves in court cases, including America First Legal. The National Archives and Records Administration has identified 82,000 pages of emails across the accounts President Biden used. That's a lot of correspondence. House Republicans subpoenaed Sherwin and Mr. Biden, Hunter, as part of their investigation into the Biden Family Syndicate and its dealings, which primarily occurred while President Biden was part of the Obama administration. Oh, and by the way, there's no... Um, what do they call it? There's no statute of limitations on impeachment. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Mr. Sherwin worked closely with the Biden family members, Biden associates, Biden corporate entities that the committees have identified as transferring millions of dollars to the Bidens, often through these foreign sources. Indeed, the committees have reviewed bank records showing Sherwin had access to bank accounts, the committees believe are relevant to the committee's investigation. Bank records, for example, show that Churin was the registered agent corporate secretary of Mr. Biden, it's Hunter Biden's, firm, Owasco. And that story just goes on and on and on. (laughs) It just gets deeper and deeper. We're going to segue over to some other stuff that you need to hear about. And at the end of uh, the second hour, we will give you that information I told you that we have received regarding some trouble, maybe trouble, regarding House Speaker Mike Johnson. What's up next? Let me see where we'll go. How about this? Let's look at the formal polling and the way the people of America look at Joe Biden and all this mess. And by the way, this formal poll is from CNN.
5: Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. Language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babel for free at Babel.com. Just go to Babel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babel.com. B A B B E L.com.
6: Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions, they're glorious, and their shields, oh, they glisten like. Uh wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like then finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling ooh download raid shadow legends play for free
7: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a. Uh... Can I get a. Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh. Ooh, can
3: I get a. Uh, can I get a. Yeah, I uh, get a. Uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go! Uh...
2: Bubba, a... Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a.
4: Uh... 10 piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh.
0: In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman.
1: So the American people, this is kind of a bad timing thing for President Biden. The American people are involved in news, news matters and information like never before. Why is it it's an election season? We Americans always wake up when we're getting in election season. A lot of people just like to tune the media out in between election times because it it just would turn into a round-the-clock emotional circle if you didn't just come up for air and forget about politics for a little bit, right? Well, in the CNN poll, one would think, too, if you hear a poll and it, is regarding things about a Democrat president, they're probably, because of the people they would poll, would skew a little bit towards making things look better for that Democrat president than they may really be. Here's the outcome of the latest CNN poll. 67% of Americans disapprove of Joe Biden's economy, which is the top issue heading into this 2024 election. Biden's approval rating on the economy in November is the second lowest of his presidency. November 2023, 33% favorability number. October of 23, it was 36. May of 23, 34. December of 22, 36. June of 2022, 30%. December of 2021, 45%. March of 21, 49%. What does that mean? The longer Joe's been in office, the longer Americans are seeing what his binomics is doing to them, while all of the information that continues to pile up showing certain corruption on his part, the numbers keep sinking. The economy greatly ranked as the top issue. Economy, 42%. Immigration, 12%. Foreign policy, 10% partisanship 6%, crime 6%. The White House is trying so hard with Bidenomics, Dana Bash of CNN said, they're spending a lot of money on it to press the point that the economy is getting better. Horse hockey. My two words. And voters aren't buying it. It's like you have. They're trying to tell people how to feel. And it doesn't always work. I don't have money to pay my bills, and nothing you say is going to make me feel better. And yet they do it and keep saying it over and over again, selling Bidenomics. Wait a minute, they don't call it that anymore because that tested publicly to be a bad label because the economics under Joe Biden ain't good. (laughs) I can't believe they ever used it. How did that test when they tested that term for the economy? If they had done it with the legitimate polling company, they would have found out even when they first started calling it that. Americans don't like it because it ain't true. (laughs) Look at what changed. The Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee and House Majority Political Action Committee, they dropped the term Bidenomics. Biden also dropped it during his prepared speeches nbc reported he hasn't used it in public remarks since november 1st he believed the phrase could backfire if the economy remained sluggish and that poll came from 1800 respondents has a 3.2 point margin of error now we're not we're not going to walk away from biden the impeachment or hunter biden I just got something I think you really need to hear. This is this morning, Maria Bartiromo, Bartiromo on Fox Fox Business. And uh, she had Congressman Comer in. I haven't listened to all of this yet, but I was just told you need to play this for your people. So here you go.
8: He's in more trouble than anyone in America, probably who's ever been subpoenaed in front of a congressional investigation i mean this guy is is under investigation for crimes ranging from from money laundering to securities fraud and everything in between if he gets voted in contempt of congress that's more penalties that he's going to have to pay uh, a price for uh, when his his judgment day finally happens
7: That was House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer with me right here yesterday on this program, laying out Hunter Biden's legal woes. Hunter Biden now in even more trouble this morning. He's been indicted on nine tax-related charges in California. He is facing up to 17 years in prison for allegedly failing to pay at least $1.4 million in taxes over four years and writing off trips to strip clubs as business expenses, among other allegations. Hunter's lawyers are out with this statement this morning. If Hunter's last name was anything other than Biden, the charges in Delaware and now California would not have been brought. Joining me right now is Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez. He's a member of the House Armed Services, Homeland Security, and Select Committee on China. Congressman, thanks very much for being here. Some might say if his name wasn't Biden, he would not have been able to make all this money in the first place. Your reaction? Uh,
8: this is part of the Biden criminal you know, family criminal enterprise. And so, you know, these, uh, these charges, especially the ones that say that he was living a lavish lifestyle. Well, was it a lavish lifestyle or a lot of that money and you float into the family business? And so, you know, we need to keep following this uh, where it leads. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is leading to the, the Biden family, uh, the brother and the president himself.
7: Well, what does this mean for Hunter's uh, proposed testimony on Wednesday? He was supposed to go behind closed doors on Wednesday, right?
8: Yeah, I don't know what it means. Uh, Will he show up? Uh, If he doesn't show up, he could be found in contempt of Congress, uh, and that that leads to other charges and other problems, uh, legal problems for for Hunter Hunter Biden. But, uh, you know, it may be very difficult for him to show up and try to explain where all this money came from and uh, why did this money come to him and where, in fact, did all this money go to? Why did he have 20, at least 20, shell companies that we know of Uh, And so, you know, the more that he talks, uh, the more, more avenues will now be open for additional investigation. I think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg here. I don't think we've gotten to the bottom yet.
7: Well, maybe, but the president says he has no idea about any of this, that he's not involved in any of this. The House Rules Committee will consider a resolution to formalize that impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden on Tuesday of next week. The 14-page resolution lays out rules uh, and public hearings and uh, directs the committees to produce a public report on their findings. Hunter Biden's former business partner, Tony Bobulinski, uh told me that he wants some answers from President Biden. Uh, he released this statement yesterday Uh, He sent me this statement, and I want to read it to you. I am a former decorated naval officer who was willing to die for this great country and held the highest security clearance issued by the Department of Energy. Why is Joe Biden blatantly lying to the American people and the world by claiming that he did not meet with me face to face? He should call his son Hunter and brother Jim as they can remind him of the facts. The American people deserve the truth. Congressman Tony Bobulinski was a partner of Hunter Biden, and he told me yesterday, of course, he's met Joe Biden. Uh, what is Joe Biden, the president of the United States, role in all of this?
8: I think Joe Biden is uh, is the brand, and and the only reason that Hunter Biden was making all this money, that he had to evade taxes for, was because his father was the vice president of the United States, and so, you know, the the Biden name has been the brand and has been the brand for some time, uh, and so you know for for. Joe Biden to blatantly lie to the American people and said he had no idea what uh, his son's business interests uh, were, uh, that he never met with any of his business partners. we all know that's 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 a blatant lie. We have testimony. We have evidence that he met with them dozens and dozens of times, different partners from around the world. Um, And so, yeah, uh, Blinsky is absolutely right. The president of the United States uh, has been lying to the American people. But hey. The president of the United States has been lying to the American people for 40 years. This is not this is nothing new. Uh, This is what he does and what he has done through his entire political career.
7: Well, do we know how America has been impacted? In other words, was he getting paid for making policy decisions in favor of adversaries or foreigners like China?
8: Well, listen, um, I've said all along that none of what what uh, President Biden has been doing uh, since he became president makes sense unless you view it through that lens, that somehow he's compromised. And we know yeah. that he's received money from Ukraine, China, Russia, okay. uh, Uzbekistan, and, and a, a bunch of other places. Right. Right? And so, yeah, it makes, it makes absolute sense that maybe the president of the United States could be compromised. That's why we need to have this inquiry, and the people of America, or Amer- America needs to know exactly where their president stands.
1: Just step back for a second and look at and listen to what we've been talking about. And everybody in the United States and other countries are talking about a corrupt U.S. president. Those are the kind of things, and when you look how long the Biden family syndicate has been in business, everybody in Washington, D.C., and in the major uh, capital cities around the world, everybody knows Joe Biden's a deal maker. He can be bought. He's an influence peddler. And this didn't just come out of nowhere. Everybody has known about it for a long, long time. Why do you think Joe Biden, he ran for president four times? Why do you think he never was considered a real um, usable Democrat to run for president? He was always looked over. It's because everybody was afraid his garbage was going to be revealed. And that's exactly what we're in the middle of right now. As we talk, I'm looking for a specific story. I saw it last night. I meant to grab it for you and uh, talk to you about it. I'm going to find it in a few minutes. But there's something else that's out there that is really getting a lot of attention, and that's the testimony of those three elite universities' presidents, testimony before Congress several days ago. Um, The university presidents are in trouble really in trouble. And so Maria talked about it. But before you hear from Maria Bartiromo, last night, Laura Ingram had a University of Pennsylvania board trustee on her show, and he has resigned. Now, UPenn is one of the most prestigious universities In the United States, it's considered to be an equivalency to the Ivy League others like Harvard, Yale, Brown, those very prestigious universities. But a lot of these trustees for every one of the universities I just mentioned, board members, big contributors, are Jewish. Now put that in the context of what you and I heard, all of America heard. Everybody's wondering about all of these horrible um, it's groups. I I, want to say it's terrorist and I can't legitimately say that. But what we're seeing play out in these attacks on Jews and Jewish people not just overseas. I'm not just talking about Hamas going in and killing people. I'm talking about in the United States of America. I want I want you to hear what this former trustee of UPenn had to say about this. And he resigned from the board, not in the lazy stuff that happened, but a couple of months ago.
9: Joining me now is Von Greggian, who resigned from UPenn's Board of Trustees back in October, Von. Um, why did you resign?
10: Well, you know, Laura, I um, I served since 2009, And over that period of time, I found that at every turn, the board was just a rubber stamp to the chairman of the board and that they really never disagreed, that every vote was unanimous. And when it came to this controversy, um, I was appalled by the lack of response by the president of the university and, you know, sought to have my fellow board members speak up uh, along with me and say something that um, would put her in a position to have to um, change her views and do something. Well, I was told la- by it- my board members uh, go ahead, to stay sorry. on the board and wait for an emergency meeting that was called, uh, which I did. And I found that at that meeting it was just the same old, same old. So I quit um, on the basis that. If I stayed, I would be under a fiduciary responsibility to not disclose what went on at the board. And as an outside person, I can now speak out against the um, horrible things that have been going on at the university and to call for the resignation of the board president and chair.
9: Do you agree with Bill Ackman that these presidents who testified on Capitol Hill yesterday who couldn't answer simple questions, at utter disdain for the the congressional inquiry, um, couldn't answer simple questions, should they resign?
10: Well, I can tell you this, Laura, that there is no, no context in which— the, you know, the genocide of the Jewish people can be condoned. It's nothing more than harassment and hateful and malicious uh, talk. And, you know, it cannot be condoned, unlike with the the position of the university presidents. And it's certainly not conducive to learning for the poor students who, you know, attend colleges and universities um, that were displayed in uh, Congress yesterday.
9: Well, kids are waiting to hear now and who to applied to colleges. That point. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, Sorry, we have a delay to here. But let that me point. let me let me just let me sorry. Let me just. Let me, uh, kids are waiting to hear right now who applied early from a lot of these schools, um, whether they've been admitted or not early. And I think there's a lot of angst out there among kids. They're like, "Oh, am I going to get into these schools?" What do you say to them about the the, the process? Given what's happening on campus now. Where should they be putting their focus on the places they go or what they do once they're there?
10: Well, to be patently honest with you, you know, as I had indicated before, to bolster that point, the Anti-Defamation League did a study and they can. And in the study of the Jewish students who in American colleges, they concluded that more than half don't feel safe on their college or university campus. And 75 percent of those kids feel that they have been involved in or have witnessed an act of anti-Semitism. So if you're the parent of a Jewish student in the ninth, 10th or 11th grade, you certainly wouldn't want to send your kid to any one of those universities.
9: And Vaughn, what do you say to the board members of these universities, MIT, Harvard, UPenn, NYU, um that are, again, they're they're rubber stamping whatever the administration is doing. There's very few voices of of courage. Yours was one um, in these board scenarios. What do you say to them today?
10: It's time to step up and be counted and not just serve on these boards to just have a prestigious thing to put on your resume uh, or so that you can tell your friends that I'm on the board of Harvard or Penn or whatever. It's time to actually be A working trustee and to speak up when things aren't right and not rubber stamp, you know, what goes on just because the chairman of the board says it's the thing to do or the president says it's the thing to do in your heart. If you know it's wrong, you need to step up and say that it's the wrong thing.
9: Well, I note that you're an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs tend to have a lot more courage than corporate CEOs. Vaughn, thank you so much for speaking out. I hope to talk with you again soon.
1: That in context to what I told you a minute ago, we have another piece. Uh, These college presidents that testified before this House committee a couple of days ago, they had to, every one of them, come back and redo, restate the things that they said about Israeli people and the Israeli people on earth and all of the craziness that's happening in the streets around the United States and also in big cities around the world, anti-Semitism and genocide. You're going to hear a little bit of one one of the uh, outcomes of that committee hearing that happened a couple of days ago. But listen, when stuff like this began to happen, when you started seeing all of the so-called Palestinians that were out there in big, big demonstrations across the United States, I mean very aggressively, calling for the death of every Jew on the planet. How did that all come together? Think about it. These demonstrations were very, very organized and structured, and they're very expensive to conduct. When they're organized, they don't just go to one city or one town and go to a group and say, hey, we know you're pro-Palestinian, And we're all going to get together and go downtown today. That's not the way it works. The clothing, the Palestinian garb looking, the flags, the transportation. Yeah. When you see these demonstrations, you'll find in a close area, close to where the demonstrations are being uh, perpetrated, you'll find buses and people are being bused into this. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's been documented. It's been revealed over and over again. Mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it. This group has a name. Uh-oh. I told you last week about a couple that have been, a couple of millionaires, husband and wife, have been seeding money into anti-American, anti-capitalist demonstrations for years, millions of dollars, but that's a couple. Back in 1997, in California, a not-for-profit was formed, and it's called TIE, T-I-E, and they have several branches in California. The main headquarters, the foundation happened up in San Francisco, but there's a TIE Southern Cal operation group. Now, you can go check it out. Let me read to you online what Ty says about, well, I'll just read it, about us. This is what Ty says about themselves. Letting it boot up here. About. Ty is a nonprofit, global community welcoming entrepreneurs from all over the world. We believe in the power of ideas to change the face of entrepreneurship and growing business through our five pillars, mentoring, networking, education, incubating, and funding. Ty was founded in 1992 by a group of successful entrepreneurs and is currently the world's largest entrepreneurial organization out there. The values and beliefs of Ty reflect the culture, and value system of the silicon valley entrepreneurship and wealth creation are invaluable human endeavors and successful entrepreneurs find fulfillment in helping budding entrepreneurs that sounds benign doesn't it that sounds like a cool thing well guess what they do they get as a nonprofit They get funds coming in for various causes around not just the United States, but around the world. And when I say they get these funds that come in, it's millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars that come in. But you know what the seed, the core of Thai is? They fund organizations around the United States and other parts of the world that are promoting demonstrations and pushback against governments in the world that the so-called entrepreneurs don't think should exist. And they'll do stuff to attack the people in these governments with who they disagree. George Soros, here we go. He's given millions of dollars. You can, as a nonprofit, you can go look up the tax filings for this nonprofit, TIE, and it's got TIE something, T I E, and it's got something after it, and they have branches in various places. And you could look at the money that comes in and the money that goes out. $200 million last year, $200 million came into this not-for-profit and went out. Demonstrations like the ones that happened in the summer of 2020, Portland, Oregon, night after night after night. Big buses lining streets in the outskirts of Portland, Oregon. George Soros funding directly through his own not-for-profits, TIE, and dozens and dozens of other big name corporations that do it in the name of entrepreneurship. Soros' biggest gift recently was a million dollars to tie. And he's been confronted with it, and he won't respond. Oh my gosh. Evil everywhere. It's getting harder and harder to discern where the real evil comes from. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It is tough out there. And it's really hard to discern. But you know what we got to do? We got to do what we founded Truth News Network for, TNN Live. We got to dig for facts. When you hear something, don't automatically just believe it. And don't automatically disbelieve it. Do a little research on your own. Yeah, it takes a little time, but isn't getting facts on which you make choices and decisions on worth the effort? We're doing our best. All we can do is tell you about it and publish stories about it. You got to make your own decisions.
0: Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent Conversation. TNN.
10: Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto & Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto & Truck Parts. 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342.
11: Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied. The flavor is decadent. The touch, divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity introducing the infinity luxury test tour if you think you are familiar with luxury you haven't driven an infinity infinity of elk grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour it's like a test drive but with more luxury we invite you to drive luxury to luxury not for an hour or even a day but for an entire weekend your choice select your infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in lake tahoe or napa valley and yes All the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more
0: don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org.
1: Well, University of Pennsylvania, um, Harvard, Yale, they're all in deep trouble because they are hacking off a lot of the biggest givers at these universities. And even though it's very expensive to go to these schools, I mean, really expensive, and very few people can make that happen. Just so you know it, most of those big universities like Yale and Harvard, they don't give a lot of scholarships. They have started giving more during the last decade. But I know for a fact, Yale, until about 10 years ago, if you wanted to go to school there, your mom and dad had to pony up. And even if you signed um, to play football or other sports at Yale. It didn't matter. You didn't get a scholarship. You didn't get a free ride. That began to change, and you know what began to make a change when all of the wealthy alums of these universities that were giving these tens of millions of dollars, and they saw that that money was just being used by the universities for the university's purposes, and they didn't like that. So they started demanding, we got to set up scholarship funds. Kudos for them. I want to point it out, though. It wasn't the administrators in these universities that had that idea. They were forced to make it happen. So you put that thing that I just told you about these university presidents and other administrators. They were forced to start reaching out for people and doing what, they were founded to do, educate the young people among the people across this nation. If you heard any of that hearing the other day when those university presidents came forward and they were asked about what was being rampantly occurring on their campuses about anti-Semitism attacks in the universities— On fellow students that just happened to be Jewish, that just didn't sit real well. And so there have been several nasty things that have happened since that uh, conversation took place. As I told you, we had a segment for Maria Bartiromo talking about this and listening to a little bit of what had happened. I'm going to let you listen to Maria, but you stay tuned because at the end of this, I've got a story to tell you that will blow your mind.
7: Congressman, let me move on to another issue, and that is an explosive hearing uh, with uh, several university presidents this week, and uh, your colleague, Elise Stefanik, putting them on, uh, on notice. Watch this. Calling for the genocide of Jews does I not have- constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard Calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules? It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct. It depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. And donors agree with Elise Stefanik, the Wharton Board of Advisors is calling for the president of the University of Pennsylvania, Liz McGill, to resign now after her testimony. This uh, testimony you just heard, her and her other college presidents unable to say that the genocide, calling for the genocide of Jews, violates their code of conduct, uh, as the school is expected to lose a major $100 million donation as a result of this, Congressman. Donors are running. Uh, let me bring Cheryl Kassoni in on this. Go ahead, Cheryl. Well, Maria, it's not just that $100 million, but now, now they've got this new investigation that's going to be launched by the House. And Congressman, I want to get your take on this, because now that you've got the Education Committee that's going to launch this full investigation, Elise Stefanik is going to be obviously leading the charge on this. What is the goal? Because obviously with these universities, money is the only thing that's going to talk at this point, or mm. these presidents need to be shown the door. But what is the goal of these of this new investigation by the House uh, against these, these presidents? and what do you want to see happen at the end of it?
8: I think the goal is to show the utter hypocrisy of these presidents and that, uh, you know, uh, it, you, may be, you may be disciplined for uh, mislabeling somebody. They want to be called a she and they need to be called they. Uh, but uh, when you call for the, uh, the destruction and the, and the murder of, uh, of the Jewish people, no, it, it, it all depends on the context. I mean, I mean the, the, the question couldn't have been more direct And the fact that she couldn't answer that question tells you everything you need to know. And this has been coming on for a long, long time, and we need to uncover it. All this stuff is the genesis, is right there in our institutions of higher learning, and a lot of it's coming from these, you know, Ivy League schools. So, yeah, we need to uncover everything that's going on there and the corruption of the young minds that is occurring at these institutions of higher learning.
7: Yeah, what a great point in terms of the pronouns. We're worried about he, she, they, and yet they're allowing this to take place on campus. Disgusting. Congressman, we'll be watching your investigation. Thank you, sir. So,
1: you heard that, that back and forth between Elise Stefanik, a New York representative, a Republican, and uh, the head of UPenn, the president of UPenn. Listen to what happened after that. University of Pennsylvania did lose a $100 donation following the president, Liz McGill's, congressional testimony about how anti-Semitism and hate speech are handled on that campus. Attorneys for Ross Stevens, who's founder and CEO of Stone Ridge Asset Management, wrote a letter to Penn's senior vice president saying he is withdrawing his $100 million donation. Mr. Stevens and Stone Ridge are appalled by the university's stance on anti-Semitism on campus. Its permissive approach to hate speech, calling for violence against Jews and laissez-faire attitude toward harassment and discrimination against the Jewish students... Would violate any policies or rules that prohibit harassment and discrimination based on religion, including those of Stone Ridge. McGill, that president, has been called to resign over her handling of anti Semitism on the Philadelphia campus following Hamas's terror attack in Israel, then Israel declaring war on the militant group. So while McGill and the other Ivy League presidents didn't explicitly say calling for genocide of Jewish people would violate their school's code of conduct. They instead essentially said it would depend on the circumstances and conduct and attempted to balance the matter with that of free speech. Absent a change in leadership and values at Penn in the very near future, I plan to rescind Penn Stone Ridge shares to prevent. Any further reputational and other damage to Stone Ridge as a result of our relationship with Penn and Liz McGill. I love Penn and it's important to me, but our firm principle and our firm's principles are more important. Liz McGill, school president, or I need to say, the former. You pin president. She got dumped and should have been dumped. Well, well, well. (laughs) Do you think people are finally waking up instead of just pontificating and going crazy for their own enforcement of what they think and feel is okay? But they can be different and held to a different account than anybody else in the world. They want everybody to be treated the same. They say, (laughs) but it doesn't work that way real often. Fairness is designed and somebody has to say what it is. And then, of course, those on the left, the ones that have really stepped it up on identities of anybody and everybody, they control, they have unilateral control of Who can be what and who can say this and who can't say that and what's wrong? It's gotten so bad, I hate to even meet somebody new. I don't know if it's a Mr., a Miss, (laughs) and you don't want to call them a male name, even though they are male biologically and are very obviously so, because you're going to offend them if they've adopted some other identity. This is just nuts. And it literally has boiled down to this on the left in our nation. You can't say anything to me. You have no authority to say anything to me about anything that has to do with me. Because you don't know me. And if you dare attempt to label me, even if you're trying to be nice, and it goes against my self-identification or circumstances... I want you to be diminished by anybody and everybody just because you said something that is not what I think or feel you're putting me down. We live in that today. We are living through that very thing today and it's getting worse. When all of these university things started happening and we began to see and hear on campuses of not just these Ivy league schools, but even in places, universities in the South, even junior colleges. This insanity has run amok, and it is destroying the fiber of this nation where, remember that thing that we used to say and believe that in the United States we have equal justice under the law, that everybody has the right the unfettered right that's given to us all by our creator, not by our government, but by our creator, we have an equal opportunity to achieve, do the best that we can and are willing to put into development in our own lives to achieve what we want to achieve unfettered by government. And now they're making laws on state and local levels trying to put them in federal law as we heard about this Title IX amendment process that was created very successfully to give women equal opportunities as men in every area. And now they're trying to include in that edict of Title IX, well, we're going to make everybody forced to develop and look at and deal with people that aren't necessarily biologically what they say they are. You've got to deal with them equally. Now, if this thing passes, and I don't think it will, but we're going to have to deal with them based upon what they say they are, not based upon what they are. And there are people out there now say, you didn't just say on what they are, did you? Oh my gosh. (laughs) You can't say anything without offending somebody. Now, speaking of... uh, people speaking stupidly i watched a little bit of that debate last week between gavin newsom and florida governor ron desantis and when desantis started to giving statistics publicly available and created statistics on everything jobs education homelessness taxes revenue yada 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 everything that was statistically proven by and showed by people that had no dog in the hunt of this debate. It was just public news and information. Every time, especially regarding economical issues, joblessness, revenue, taxes, and all that kind of stuff, Gavin Newsom just, he immediately would step in and call the Senate as a liar about the numbers. California, according to Governor Gavin Newsom, they've reached a new milestone in revenue. They have the ninth largest Revenue of any country on the planet does California. Well, guess what just popped out overnight? California's state budget deficit has ballooned to $68 billion this year. Not million, $68 billion, After recording a deficit of $24 billion last year. And that's because of an unprecedented tax revenue shortfall. Now, why would that be? Well, one of the things DeSantis pointed out to us in that debate the other night was people have been leaving and corporations have been leaving California in droves coming to Florida. And immediately Gavin Newsom jumped on DeSantis and said, it's a lie, it's a lie. In fact, more people are moving from Florida to California than people are moving from California to Florida. Well, how do you have a uh, a $68 billion shortfall? Well, really, it was $24 billion less than what they thought it would be. It's got to be because tax is going down. And it's not the tax rates going down. It's people leaving that have been paying taxes and corporations that are leaving that had been paying taxes. The governor has maintained strict fiscal responsibility since taking office, building up the state's reserves to historic levels, reaching the maximum allowed by the state constitution to be put in reserves and paying down debts, putting California in a strong position to deal with budget shortfalls. That's from Aaron Mellon, Communications Director for the California Governor's Office, in a statement to Daily Caller News Foundation. And Aaron continued, in January, the Governor will introduce a balanced budget proposal that addresses our challenges, protects vital services and public safety, and brings increased focus on how the state's investments are being implemented while ensuring accountability and judicious use of taxpayer money. That sounds kind of grandiose, but it really doesn't. It's not grandiose. It's insane. It has no attachment to reality. $68 billion deficit spending by California in one year. Now, in that debate, Newsom touted the state's $97.5 billion surplus in May of 2022, which the governor vowed to spend on drought mitigation efforts, abortion initiatives, and to address rising costs from inflation. They did have a surplus. Now, wait a minute. What happened? Following that previous surplus, the state holds $24 billion in reserves that it could use to make up the difference. Around $26 billion of the deficit comes from the state receiving less revenue than previous production. Kind of like Joe's chagrin, Joe Biden, of course, when he raised taxes on the American people after he became president— Well, the reason you raise taxes is to get more money to come in. And then they found out wow, we were down $600 billion in money that came in. That wasn't supposed to happen. We raised taxes. That means more money's going to come in. They don't understand capitalist economies. When you tax people, if it's an individual, that person is going to pay the taxes they owe, the additional taxes that your policies force them to pay. But does that mean they're going to quit doing, quit living, quit spending? Yeah, they're going to have to lower what they pay to people below them that they do business with, maybe employees, but even regular people that just live and spend money, buy groceries, buy gas, They're going to have to reduce what they do with their money because you're costing them more and therefore they don't have the money to use to spend so the people they would spend it with would pay taxes on it and it's a daisy chain that just goes to one place. You raise taxes, corporations don't pay the difference. They pass it along to the people they do business with and then those people pass along Expenses that have gone up to them, they pass that loss along to the people that they do business with. And the bottom line is when you raise taxes, government revenue goes down. Taxes are not being paid to the extent they were before because the people in the whole daisy chain don't have the money they had in California when they had this surplus. Ain't no surplus now. California is hoping to continue construction, by the way, on that high-speed rail project. They've been working on it for years. They want to connect Los Angeles with the Central Valley in San Francisco. That's got to be expensive, right? The project has so far been allocated $9.8 billion, but it's estimated now they're going to need between $88 billion and 128 billion more to be fully completed. You just can't make this stuff up. And this is a guy that's supposed to be, and the Democrats pretty much all feel that he's the guy that's going to be the next Democrat Party savior of the world. And he bragged about the horrors that he has instigated that have cost tens of billions of dollars to California by overspending. And that just illustrates something. The fundamental that any Democrat is chosen to run for any office at any level, the fundamental they're forced to adhere to, and believe that it's real and important and everybody's got to do it, is got to spend more money than you bring in. There is actually a policy that's been floated around for generations that operating in a deficit economy is good for the economy of whatever that entity is, local, state, or federal, because it keeps people working to do better To make their economic circumstances better. And if you ever get to where you're producing more money than you're spending, people who quit giving, people who get work, they'll quit working, quit trying to do better for themselves and their family members. Donald Trump proved that wrong. Dramatic fashion he did. He reduced taxes dramatically, and when he did, the left went crazy. People like Gavin Newsom, the hardcore economic leftist. You can't do that. We're not going to be able as a government, a federal government, to provide the goods and services for the people that we're doing. We're going to have to cut Medicare, cut Social Security. We're going to have to cut, and the people are going to be killed because those services that they've been taken for granted for all these years— The Trump administration is going to take away. When he cut taxes on everybody, top to bottom, people had more money to spend. Where'd they get it? Well, they didn't have to send it to Washington, D.C. So what did they do with that money? They spent it. And the rolling up effect of if you get $100 and you buy something for $10 that you didn't have to buy it previously... You're going to pay somebody $10 for it and they're going to have more money than they did before to spend and they're going to pay $10 for it. So at every level of that, somebody gets taxed and the people that bought or purchased or used a service, they're paying on top of that $10 they had, paying a few more cents in tax that the government's going to get. And the daisy goes up. The daisy chain goes up. There's more money at the federal government because they let the people put more of their working money in their own pockets so they could spend capitalism. And none of these hardcore sycophants believe it's good. In fact, every one of the members of the squad, they think we should tax more. That the government knows better what the people want and what the people need, and so we ought to pay the government more and just sit down and shut up and let the government do for us what they think is best for us. That's not the United States of America. It's not the way it's supposed to work. And it doesn't work. Just ask the people of California. They're living through it right now.
0: Walls are barriers. They divide, separate, segregate. We've seen walls before. On ABC. for over 75 years people have saved money with, oh,
3: with gecko oh, sorry here what? we go from the top and action
0: for over 75 years people have saved money with gecko cut so,
11: it what what did i say gecko i said gecko. Oh.
3: for over 75 years <laughs> <laughs> keep it together i'm good i'm good <clears throat>
0: over 70- seventy. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico, saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me.
5: Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. Yes. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's, the new home of
0: craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: A lot of uproar still going on around the world. The Middle East is on Fire. In Baghdad, oh my gosh, we're back in Iraq? In Baghdad, our U.S. Embassy was struck by a mortar fire in an early morning attack. The U.S. Embassy in Baghdad attacked by mortar fire. Explosions heard near the embassy in the capital city of Iraq, approximately 4.15 this morning, Baghdad time. An embassy spokesperson then confirmed the embassy was attacked, adding, Assessments are ongoing, but there are no reported casualties on the embassy compound. Now, this attack was confirmed by a U.S. military official who said it was launched at U.S. and coalition forces in Baghdad's heavily fortified green zone. And that green zone houses Iraqi government buildings and embassies. So what's our Pentagon have to say? Spokesperson confirmed later that at least seven 60-millimeter mortar rounds landed in the embassy compound while others fell into the river. U.S. and Iraqi officials initially said the projectiles were rockets. Mortars, though. That means fired very close to the embassy. The mortars struck in the vicinity of the embassy's complex and Union 3 that houses offices of our led coalition, clarifying, again, no casualties. It was believed to have been carried out by Iran-aligned militias in Iraq. You think? (laughs) That's the 70th attack against American forces? Yes, forces, buildings, buildings. And people, 70 of those, fired by Iran-related militia groups against the United States. Do you think there's an end to this? Do you think somebody in Washington, D.C. is actually going to say enough's enough? Now, what's the thinking? What do you think the thinking is on the part of these leaders in Iran that they're doing this? They're going to continue doing it. They feel like they are bigger, stronger, and better than us and have better leadership. Now, how do you th- how do you know that, Dan? Well, why? Why would they keep doing it? Why would they poke a giant that they know could smash them if they thought if they kept poking that this giant would swat them like they were flies? I hate to say this and bring it up. The obvious is when Donald Trump was president, this kind of stuff didn't happen. Why? Because Donald Trump, the first time it happened, he showed what would happen if it happened again. And it never happened again. Joe Biden is feckless. Our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is feckless. They think that they've got to be nice and pacify the monster that's in the room and that if they do that enough times long enough the monster's just going to go away it's only going to get worse they're showing us now they're bidding they're getting bolder and because we don't retaliate now we have we've We've done some retaliation, but not like-kind retaliation. That gives them more juice to repeat and even ramp it up. If Joe Biden doesn't wake up, if Lloyd Austin doesn't wake up, if the American people don't wake up, you think the Twin Towers toppling in New York City was a big deal? They've already got plans on the table. To do more against us. When? The circumstances that they feel have become conducive for them to do those things. Not trying to scare you, just trying to make you understand things are not as good as we are told coming out of the White House in Washington, D.C. We better wake up. Guys, Enjoy being with you every day. Thank you for being here. Tomorrow's bullet points. Make sure you check in. There's going to be a bunch of new information that you want to know about. Enjoy the Christmas season. Enjoy and revel in your family, your friends. And it's a good time, even before January 1st, when we make our new resolutions, it's a good time to self-analyze and figure out what you can do that will help you in your life. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you Monday morning, 9 a.m. at Truth News Network, TNN Live.
6: Hi there, I'm Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller. For so many of us, something as simple as the mere mention of the word Christmas is so powerful that it immediately brings to mind warm, rich memories. Children, music, families, friends, gifts, and food. For most of the world, Christmas is the highlight of the year. But what if I told you that this annual gigantic celebration called Christmas was almost excluded from an American holiday? It's a strange thought. America without Christmas? If the earliest American settlers had their way there would be no Christmas celebration at all. At least nothing like today. There would have been no Santa, no gifts, no Christmas trees, and absolutely no chestnuts roasting by an open fire. Blame it on the pilgrims. The pilgrims were part of a somber religious movement that began in Europe. In fact, Their serious dislike of Christmas and their very strict interpretation of their religious scriptures were the main reasons why the British and most of Europe didn't like them at all. The pilgrims frowned on almost every kind of celebration, and that was the beginning of the trouble with Christmas in early America. So then, who brought Christmas to America? Hats off to our Dutch and German forefathers... Give the Germans their credit for the tradition of our Christmas trees. And from the Dutch, well, the Dutch gave us the Santa Claus we all know so well. In the 17 and early 1800s, Christmas in America was not a time of charity and of helping those in need. That wouldn't come along until the Christmas of 1843, when Charles Dickens published a short little story known as A Christmas Carol. It was Dickens who changed not only the way England and America celebrated Christmas, but also how the whole world would come to keep the holiday from a time of total revelry to a time of charity and helping those in need. In a very real sense, our Christmas traditions developed along with America. In many ways, it paralleled our struggle to develop our own identity as Americans. Sweep of the holiday, we can begin to see how, unlike the many religious holidays that can divide us, Christmas has grown to become a uniting force. It's now uniquely celebrated in America by Christians and non Christians alike. And like our people, American Christmas traditions come from many cultures. Holly and mistletoe from ancient European Norse legends, Christmas trees from Germany, carols from England, fruitcakes and eggnog from the Middle Ages, and the central story of Christmas itself from the ancient Middle East...